The average person spends roughly 10,000 days of their adult life working. So this is 10,000 Days, a podcast exploring career journeys and the ways that we can apply that time to make a positive impact in the world. The goal of this podcast is to offer you tools, strategies, and inspiration to reflect on your own career. We have an amazing lineup of guests joining us this season that will help you navigate your journey, design the career that you want, and find the courage to make it happen. Welcome everybody to the 10,000 Days Podcast. I am Ian Brody here once again with my good friend and co-host, Greg Ogiba. And we have a fantastic guest joining us today for our second episode of the season. His name is Professor Steve Gideon. Steve is the chair of the Ryerson Entrepreneur Institute at Ryerson University in Toronto. But Steve's CV goes well beyond Ryerson University, having an extensive career in engineering, in business, tech, and now in academia. Yeah, Ian, he's, he's achieved so much during his career and he has a fascinating career path. And through this season on the podcast, we wanna take you, the listeners, on a, on a journey to help you think about your own career path, build the career strategy, and really to find the courage to make the changes that are necessary uh, if, if change is what you want to do. Uh, and in this episode, we talk with Professor Gideon about applying entrepreneurial principles to your life and career. And uh, Steve literally wrote the book on the topic. Yeah, the, the book and the web series is called Entrepreneurial Career and Life Design using entrepreneurial principles to achieve happiness and well-being. And it talks about the principles of entrepreneurship that can be incorporated into your career and, and, and your life. So things like grit, curiosity, how we deal with failure. And what I love is that it's really a workbook. Many people might want to change, but it's not clear how to go about doing that. So here are some practical steps and tools on how to do it. Uh, as mentioned, Steve is the chair at the Ryerson Entrepreneur Institute. He's originally from the U.S. and studied to be an engineer at MIT, rose to the top of the engineering field, but really wasn't satisfied. So he went back to business school, not 100% sure what he was going to do. So he enrolled at the University of Toronto uh, and made a, a series of big changes. And from there, he's, he's founded or, or led over a dozen private, public, uh, venture capitalists, and nonprofit organizations. And today he's a professor where he's won too many awards to list, really. And his, his academic resume is, it's long. Do you know how long it is? How long? It is 38 pages long. Wow. So in his own words, he is a chronic overachiever. Often we, we, we don't know where we're going to be in five years. And I think Steve is the perfect example of that, having jumped around so many times. And, and not to give any spoilers from the interview, but Steve frames this not knowing as a process of hunting or searching. And the fact that this searching process has so much meaning and value in and of itself. And so that was one part of the interview that really stuck out with me. Greg, was there anything that, that Steve said that impacted you the most? And, and what should the audience uh, listen out for in this episode? I don't know if there is one part in particular. Uh, I think overall, uh, I hope the listeners leave encouraged knowing that they're really in control of their careers. Uh, and although there, there's going to be trial and error and there's going to be many iterations, 
the the key, as Steve explains, is to keep a positive mindset, to remain curious, and, and simply to keep moving forward. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Steve Gideon. All right. So welcome to the show, Professor Steve Gideon. Thanks for having me. Greg and I just introduced your professional background, and it really is quite expansive. In your Professor Steve Gideon's words, can you tell us about your career journey thus far? Well, I'm not sure if I'm 8,000 days out of 10,000 or something like that, but uh, I, I, I do think that I exemplify the idea that you know where you end up has potentially very little to do with where you started off. My dad wanted to be an engineer when he grew up. My brother was an engineer. I took some career tests as a young kid, and they said, you should be an engineer. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess so. I'm good at math, and I'm not good at talking to women, so engineering sounds perfect for me. And uh, so I went into engineering, and I was pretty good at it. Um, got A's, uh, went to MIT, got a PhD in engineering, kind of built a whole career, and um, became, I guess, as rich and famous as, as engineers get. And uh, I kind of threw it all away to start all over again. And part of the reason was I discovered that um, people didn't really respect engineers in the field of business, that they would hmm. say, well, because you're an engineer, we don't care what your opinion is in terms of profit and loss and profitability and customers and, and things like that. And the other thing I discovered is nobody really cares about technology. I mean, people care about what technology does for them, but they don't really care about technology. The technology itself has to seamlessly be integrated into the products and services that we have. Nobody cares about the details of how 5G or 4G works mm -hmm. or how your semiconductor works. They just want to know that when I call my child, they answer the phone and it works. So that really caused me to you know, completely reconsider my life and, and how to make an impact from within the field of engineering. And I had to start all over again. So I switched to my second career, which was uh, to be an entrepreneur and venture capitalist or a business guy, I guess I'll, I'll call it. I went back to school, got my MBA at the University of Toronto, and then had a whole career in, in business where I did a lot of corporate turnaround work. I was an entrepreneur. I was CEO of, uh, I think, on the order of 15 different companies, um, all technologically based things. And that was a real eye-opener for me because I kind of went from I'm at the peak of my engineering career to uh, I'm kind of starting all over again. Well, and I imagine there was a dip in salary to navigate as well. And, and that's a really common problem that people have. Um, not just me, I, you know, in the MBA program I was in, uh, one of my fellow students was a, a nursing student. And she's like, man, I'm making $100,000 a year as a nurse. How do I give that up to make 50,000 as an entry level MBA person? But she knew like, you know, I'm not getting any younger. My body's not gonna handle being a nurse. It's really hard to be a nurse. It's really hard to do the shift work, but the money was so good, it was like a trap. And, and I have these conversations with, with my students all the time. I've got students at Ryerson University, like they're making $150,000 a year as like a gamer or a day trader, or as um, I had one guy who was doing it as a poker player. He's making 250,000 a year as a poker player. But he said like, I'm living in my mom's basement. Like I gotta get out, but how do you give up the 250 grand to not be as good at something? That's exactly the dip that I had to go through. 
And um, I knew that this internet was going to be big and I needed to climb that learning curve. So I, I kind of sort of took the hit on salary and, and built enough skill sets in marketing. And I was chief financial officer for a company for a while. It did a lot, it did a lot of grunt turnaround work for things, but I was building kind of the portfolio that enabled me to be the CEO of a company. Going back to your time as an engineer, you explained some of the reasons you weren't happy with it and you're, you needed to make a change. But when you enrolled in the MBA program at the University of Toronto, did you know what the outcome would be or did you know where you would end up when you enrolled? Not a clue. Not a clue. It's, uh, thank you for bringing up that, that, that point. So this is a big idea that comes out of this entrepreneurial career in life design is that almost all business books almost all career books, almost all self-help books start with this planning-based mindset that you know what your goal is. And to get that goal, you do all these things to get there. You know, I know I want to be a lawyer. So here's all the steps you need to do to be a lawyer. However, like for most entrepreneurs, you don't know. Like you got kind of a start of an idea, like a direction that you want to go in. But you're not sure how to get there. You're not sure who your customers are going to be. You're not sure if it's a product or a service. You're not sure what the price should be. And so instead of, instead of planning around known goals, which is a causal-based reasoning planning mindset, it's the search-based hunting uh, and, the, and the theoretical discipline that this comes out of is called effectuation. And so I like to use the analogy of it's like farming versus hunting. You know, the planning-based mindset is, I know I want tomatoes, so like, what do you do? Well, you, you, you get tomato plants, you give them water, you give them sunlight, you control everything you can. Maybe you build a greenhouse, you control everything, you always get tomatoes and you can plan around that and predict that and it's very stable. That's farming. And that's all business courses up until let's say 10 years ago. Effectuation, this entrepreneurial mindset is, is like hunting. You don't know where the food is. You pick a direction I think I'm going to get an MBA. I want to leave technology and go into business. And then, and then you kind of sort of wander around and you look for signals. You look for weak signals. You try to find some broken branches or a path or some poo or something. And you're like, you don't know, am I going to find a deer or a rabbit? Mm -hmm. And so, so thank you for bringing that question up, Greg. That was um, a really important idea is this, I didn't know, but I thought, yeah, but like I'm, I'm good at school. <laughs> And, and I liked, go, uh, you know, I love the MBA program. I learned a lot of cool stuff, but I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I was, I was just, you know, I, mm -hmm. I was searching, I was hunting. Mm -hmm. Talking about effectuation, it really syncs well with the concept of a career strategy that we talked about in the last episode, you know, not necessarily knowing what that next step is, but it's, it's that process of searching and hunting where you are learning more about yourself. You're developing a more robust value proposition um, so that you're when you're ready you know to pounce on that opportunity as soon as you see it on the horizon um, you can do that so can you expand on this concept of effectuation a little bit more and how it dovetails so well with career design so again almost every book written before a certain date is all based around you have to know what you want to do going in and then they tell you, how, to, how do you make that happen? Like, how do you have the fortitude and the time management skills to just do what you already know you want to do? And this effectuation is a completely different thing that says, 
I'm not sure, but how do you go, what's the process and the mindset that you go about when you're hunting? And um, the original theoretical ideas behind it came from interviewing a lot of entrepreneurs. And they said, well, how would you go about doing this? And they discovered, wow, the way your search methodologies are all similar and radically different than what we talk about in all the business courses. And, and one of these ideas is, um, as you mentioned, control what's under your control. So getting him an MBA was completely under my control. Finding somebody to hire me as a business person was kind of outside of my control. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, you want to find the perfect uh, woman or something like that. Well, you know, just because you fall in love with somebody doesn't mean that she's going to fall in love back with you. Like there's things that I can control, like, you know, who am I? What's my character? I can make sure I wash my hair and wear nice clothes, but I can't control that somebody else is going to buy from me or fall in love with me or hire me or something like that. And, and I, I, I knew that I needed a different bundle of skills than I had as an engineer. I, know, I knew that I needed sales skills. Well, how do you prove that you've got sales skills? Well, go out and get a job as a salesperson. And so um, there's a bunch of these effectuation principles that arise out of this. And another interesting one that, that comes up, and I talk about these seven major principles in the book. Another important one is called the crazy quilt principle. You know, the planning-based mindset looks at the world as a puzzle. You know, all the pieces of the puzzle fit together in only one right way. There's only one right answer mm -hmm. and all the pieces have to fit together just right. And there's one right way and every other way is wrong. But the crazy quilt principle says, I'm going to make a quilt, but, you know, Greg's going to bring some weird shaped patches of red and he's got kids. So there's Pikachu or something on them. And, and, you know, Ian's For got sure. some other little pieces and stuff. And together we figure out how it's all going to fit together. And so, you know, I knew that I needed some of these skills and I thought an MBA would be a good start, but it wasn't until I got out there and interacted with the world that I'm like, hmm, there's this venture capital firm that's looking for a techie who can step in as a chief technical officer, but there's also some executive level responsibility. And hey, that's, that kind of sort of fits in with my, what I'm interested in. And, and so that's kind of how you search for something that works for you. Steve, I have a question about the, the book and the, and the title in particular. It, uh, it's Entrepreneurial Career and Life Design, Using Entrepreneurial Principles to Achieve Happiness and Well-Being. And I, those, those two words at the end, they're the happiness and the well-being. My question is, if you wrote this book, say, 15 years ago, would you have used those words? Or is that something now that, that uh, students or, or young professionals that you're working with, are they looking to incorporate more happiness and, and well-being and meaning into their careers? Great question. Thank, thank you for, for asking that. You know, I, I think that, uh, no, this absolutely would not have been anything in the title 15 years ago. This, this all arises out of a relatively new branch of psychology called positive psychology that for most of history, psychology was all about how do you help people in distress who are suffering achieve normality? Uh, and you know, the, the lingo would be, how do you help people get from minus eight to minus two? And, and psychologists just totally abandoned normal average people who were at plus two who wanted to get to plus eight or plus nine or plus 10. 
And so, you know, it was all about how do you help people suffering from schizophrenia? How do you help people deal with, you know, bipolar disorder? How do you tell, how do you help people that are suffering suffer less? And then they realize, like, what about the rest of humanity? That's like, they're okay, but they're not firing on all cylinders. Or they're, again, they're at plus two. How do we help them get to plus eight? Uh, Martin Seligman is one of the founders of positive psychology. Um, and there's been a lot of stuff discovered in the last 15 years around how to achieve happiness, how to achieve well-being, how do you measure it? And these are all relatively new concepts. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say what I, what I try to do is, you know, kind of find the state of the art in design thinking, which is a big popular buzzword that you hear about, uh, entrepreneurship and effectuation, the search-based process, but also like, what's the purpose of your life? It's happiness, it's well-being, it's satisfaction with, with, with who you are. And, um, you know, students might be fairly low on Maslow's hierarchy of values. They just want financial security and, you know, they want to move out from their parents' basement. But as you move up Maslow's hierarchy of values, as you get older in your life, you know, you want belonging and love and then self-esteem and respect. And eventually, as you get older and older, some of my students achieve this earlier in their life, you want self-actualization or meaning or purpose in your life. And those are the foundations of uh, what we call well-being. That's also where they're looking for roles that where they can create an impact and, and find meaning in their work as well, I think. Well, each person has to define that on their own. Yeah. You know, you might focus on your job, you know, especially in your earlier years, but eventually that the satisfaction and happiness with your life and contentment and uh, well-being of your life, eventually the job and your life have to come together. You, you can't always get all your happiness outside the nine to five and then nine to five, you're miserable. Question. So, so you mentioned students a bit and they're looking for purpose and, and meaning in their careers. Uh, are you finding that these students are more interested in, in starting businesses like they were you know, 10 years ago, or are they looking to find a more rewarding career within say a, a traditional corporation? The way I, I tend to think about a career, I think of it as a three-legged stool. You know, one leg is a job with some kind of stability and pays you money. Another leg is something that you do outside of that job to build your human capital and, and to figure out and explore your interests. And I think of that as a side hustle, partially because I'm a capitalist. and I think you should be able to make money at your side hustle. And the third leg of that stool is, is often around building your social capital, which is the connections for getting the job beyond your current job. So, you know, you're in a job that pays you money, but it's, it's rarely the perfect job. And so how do you explore things outside of your current job, either through a side hustle or through networking and, and taking part in maybe a volunteer organization or some kind of social change-making project that helps you to experiment and do this searching? You know, so, you know, Greg, in your case, you're like, well, I'm working for this, you know, food-related company in the U.S., but, you know what can I do today while I'm currently gainfully employed that kind of sort of helps me figure out like, do I want to stay in food? Do I want to move into something that's more e-commerce related? Do I want to get into cryptocurrency? And, and how do I build those connections? Because my current employer doesn't pay me 
to go to cryptocurrency conferences. And so you kind of need these three different aspects of, 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 of what you're doing while you're always constantly going, well, I've got this job, but my current job isn't going to get me to the next step in my career. What am I doing outside of my current job that helps me explore things and test things, maybe screw up and make some failures? You know, hopefully it provides some money, which is why I kind of like the idea of a side hustle. Steve, going back to the book, you know, applying entrepreneurial concepts and principles and traits to one's career and life design. What, what are some of the traits of an entrepreneur that are uniquely important or that can be uniquely applied to one's career design? That is a great question, Ian. Boy, you guys are good. It's, a, it's almost like you read the book or you actually prepared for this interview. You know, this, the, first of all, thank you for that. The first comment I, I would make, Ian, is around the word traits. Um, I, a, a profound mistake that the entrepreneurial field made for many, 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 many years is they kind of, they mistakenly said, these people have the traits of entrepreneurs and these people don't. And they set about doing research to say, ah, let's find what that magic formula is, is, is who are the people that are entrepreneurs and other people are non-entrepreneurs. And what they discovered was that was just completely and utterly false. It's like saying that there's a certain stereotypical salespeople. Actually, introverts and shy people can make amazing salespeople, especially if they're selling to other people that are a bit introverted. And, and so there, there is no bundle of characteristics or inborn traits that human beings have that are entrepreneurial versus non-entrepreneurial. Basically, everyone can be an entrepreneur. This is all to do with like growth mindset and the plasticity of the brain, but you're not stuck doing one thing. And this was important to me because I kind of grew up thinking, well, I'm an engineer. <laughs> I'm never going to get a date. <laughs> I'm always going to be socially awkward. Uh, I'm good at math. And that means by definition, I'm bad at social things. And that was just not true at all. Mm -hmm. That um, I, I was able to, to, to kind of come out of my shell. Uh, I've become more gregarious and outgoing over time. I've become a better public speaker over time. And, uh, and I'm far better at the, at the social skills these days than I ever was in, in math and the hard sciences, actually. And so, um, so I'm just going to change the word from traits to maybe I'll call it skills and competencies or attitudes. Uh, what are the entrepreneurial attitudes? This is, this is another big point um, that, that, that arises uh, out of the book, but also is, is, is about entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is not about starting up a, a business. Entrepreneurship is not about starting up a business. In fact, entrepreneurship isn't about business at all. In the early days, entrepreneurship was primarily about who are these people that start up new businesses. And then it kind of shifted to, well, who are these innovators that do entrepreneurial things inside of companies? And so like entrepreneur kind of got bundled with entrepreneurship or being innovative got bundled with entrepreneurship. And then the more we looked at, like, what are the characteristics and the skills and the attitudes of these intrapreneurs and innovators and entrepreneurs, we discovered, wait a minute, social change makers are exactly like that as well, too. People that start new political parties, social activists, people who want to make the world a better place, they're, they, they're exactly the same. And we discovered that entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial skills and attitudes are things like curiosity, being proactive being adaptable, 
mm-hmm. tolerating uncertainty, being agile. You know, you're, you're out there searching for something you're hunting and you're like, well, there's no food in this direction. Well, that's okay. I'm going to go in this direction. And so we learned that, you know, entrepreneurship per se has almost nothing to do with starting up a business. We learned about how to do it well by watching people who started up businesses and what their attitudes and skills were. But, but, but anyone can have these attitudes and skills and anyone can build these attitudes and skills. And so that, that's kind of a big theme of the book as well, too, is how do you take things that we learned about how to help startup companies and how do we say, well, how do you apply these to your own life in your own career? And so like the idea of spotting opportunities, well, you can spot opportunities to make money, but you can also spot opportunities to add value to your own life. You can spot opportunities for finding new innovative ways to be happier or to improve your well-being and to kind of sort of position yourself to take advantage of these opportunities. So that was that good question. Wow. <laughs> well, so, so are there any of those skills that uniquely apply to one's career? So I think curiosity is a good one to start with, you know, because if you're not curious about what my next job might be. If you're not curious about what might make me happier, if you're not curious about what what new skills would I need to get into a better job or to to maybe transition out of this industry and into a different industry, you have to be curious. That's an entrepreneurial attitude. Mm -hmm. And then you can't just sit there and go, boy, I wish somebody came along with the magic little, you know, hey, Steve, we're gonna hire you for this great new job and pay you 10 times as much money. Believe me, nobody knocks at your door and offers you these things. I mean, maybe every once in a while an opportunity falls in your lap, but you know, for most people, it's hard work. You got to get out there. You got you to network. You have to be proactive. You can't just think your way into a new career. You got to go out and explore your way into that new career. And, 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 and so a lot of these skills and attitudes like there, there's a bundle of them and, you know, different people have defined, you know, which basket of 10 that they think are true or which basket of 15 or which basket of eight. And, and, you know, each individual would kind of sort of disagree or agree as to what they are. But I think pretty much everybody would agree being proactive, being action oriented, being curious are all these things that enable you to you know, dis- discover new opportunities. Uh, uh, let me use curiosity again. Like if you're so busy looking at your phone, walking down the street, that you don't notice the problems in the world around you to be able to spot these new opportunities. So you got to be kind of like looking at everything and judging it and being curious about it. You know, if you're watching Jeopardy and, you know, a TV commercial comes on, you got to be going, was that a good commercial? How much did they pay for that commercial? Would I have done a commercial that way? And you have to be curious about yourself. What yeah, makes it's, about who you, it's about who you are. Exactly. And so you practice these skills over time, but eventually they become habituated and they become part of your core character so that anybody's like, oh yeah, Steve's a curious guy. My God, he's always curious. He he seems really interested in human beings. Like you meet him and he asks them a lot of questions. And like, believe me, I wasn't born curious. You know, I didn't have this magical gene that made me curious. I had to practice that active listening skill. I had to practice developing empathy. I had to practice developing user centricity to be able to habituate that mode of thinking. Steve, I read a a quote yesterday. It says, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. 
I think that's interesting. You know, I like what you're saying about being curious. And I really like the fact that you have to be proactive and to some extent, you know, create your own opportunities. But what about um, what about failure? What about people who are nervous about, you know, sticking their neck out? How do you approach failure? And I know there's a section in the book about reframing failure. Can you speak to that a little bit? You know, people talk about failure, failure. Oh, fail, 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 fail. People are like, ah, I don't like to fail. And, and I don't think of it as failure. Uh, I think of it as experimentation and just discovering what's true and what isn't true. And, 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 and you're right, that's a matter of reframing. So like, an example would be, you know, you have a hypothesis, you know, all rocks, you know, heavy rocks fall faster than light rocks. And so you go to the top of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, you drop heavy and light rocks and gosh, darn it, no matter how many times you try, they fall at the same rate. And you're like, oh, I failed. I'm a bad scientist. You know, I, I was wrong. You weren't wrong. You were just, you had a hypothesis. I think this might be true. Let me test it. And it turns out, you know, you know, just in case you don't know, F equals MA, you know, you discovered the law of gravity. All rocks mm. fall at the same rate. Therefore, like, wow, weight doesn't matter. It's about the mass of the object. It's not about the weight of the object. And, um, and they, they discovered the law of gravity. That's not a failure. That's one of the greatest intellectual achievements in, in human history. And so, you know, it's not a failure to say, maybe I would like a career in music. Let me go do some gigs. Let me go do some stand-up nights. Let me go, you know, find some other people to jam in a band with. And let me see how that works out. And then it turns out, yeah, you know, it doesn't pay very well. You know, all the gigs go till three o'clock in the morning. And then you realize, like, I don't think I want a career in music. Is that a failure? No, you just explored a hypothesis and you discovered mm -hmm. that this doesn't work for me. Maybe it would have worked for me when I was young, but it ain't working for me in my 50s. So um, this idea of putting yourself out there in this exploratory search-based discovery mindset if you discover that something doesn't work for you, that's great. Take it off your list. I can do something else now. Steve, when you talk about sort of moving forward in your career and discovering what you like and what you don't like, career iterations, I guess they would be. And my question is, do you ever end up at a place where you think that's it, that's final? Or is this, is this sort of search always, is it a mindset that's always continuing to evolve as, as life changes? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, certainly my parents grew up in a world where you get one job and you keep it until you retire. You know, it's interesting, you know, when I, they, they, they thought that for many years, like, oh, my son, Steve is a failure. He can't hold down a job. I'm like, I'm CEO of a publicly traded company. Like, what more do you want from me? And they're going, oh, yeah, but you write your own paycheck. You know, you've only had it for a couple of months. You're probably not going to stick with it for more than a year or two. You know, it's also uncertain. And, you know, a lot of that mindset kind of infects you. And younger people nowadays are, are, are growing up with the realization that there is no such thing as a full-time job forever. And when, if you do have them, they're few and far between. And even when you think that it's the perfect job, you know, you get acquired by somebody else and now it's a horrible job or 
or the economy changes, you know, uh, artificial intelligence is going to disrupt whole industries. Like already know, has. if I was a truck driver, I'd be very nervous. Like you're going to go from 150,000 a year without a high school degree to we don't need drivers anymore. That's a massive disruption. Yeah. You know, sometimes this change is thrust upon you and you, know, you just have to adapt. And sometimes you're more proactive in, in looking for it. So this, this idea of a continuous striving is an important one. You should never settle for, well, I'm perfect just the way I am and I'm, I'm going to go static. What, what I will say is there is this weird, and one of my students brought this up the other day, that there's this interesting thing about goals is when you set a goal, it kind of makes you unhappy with where you currently are mm. because you want to be there, but you're only here. And so to some extent, the more you strive for achievement or change or improvement, there's this certain level of dissatisfaction that gives you the energy to strive to accomplish that something better. And so I don't necessarily have an answer to that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm just an entrepreneurship professor, right? I'm not, <laughs> if I had an answer, I'd start my own religion and get tax exemption <laughs> status or something like that. There's an entrepreneurial opportunity for you. Um, but I mean, it, it's true that a certain amount of dissatisfaction with where you currently are gives you the energy to devote the time and proactivity to find something better. And so that constant striving for improvement, I think, is fundamental to what it means to be a human being. It's what got us out of the trees or the savannas. It gave us the energy to discover how to harness the power of steam and the atom and wind and the sun. And, and I think it, it, it's what drives life. There's this, you know, I want this. I'm happy where I am. I'm happy with the journey. But I also know I'm on a journey to being yet even happier in the future. I think that that's a key part of it. To, it, it helps you to accept where you are in the moment and that you have mindfulness and you know, those kinds of techniques are, are, are important techniques that work, this acceptance of who you are right now, but at the same time, not settling for who you are right now. Mm -hmm. See, I'm happy with who I am, but you know, I'd like to do a little more of this in my life. Well, I think that's a great spot to end this conversation. You know, I mean, we've talked so much about career journey and the, the traits and skills that people can apply to their career design. So Steve, thank you so much for joining the, the podcast. We uh, greatly appreciate your time. I have to say it's really been an, an honor to, uh, to work with you guys. You ask really good, intelligent questions. You're very well prepared. I'm a tremendous believer in the importance of this thing that I think a lot of people either become trapped and they don't know how to get out of it. These are life skills that were never taught to people. You know, no one tells you about this kind of stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of the books come out of this planning-based mindset that they start the conversation on literally on page two of the book and say, write down in the following thing what you want to do in five years. And if you leave that blank, you're a failure. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I'm a failure. And, you know, I'm here to tell you, if you don't know what to put in that line, that's a good thing. Go out and figure it out. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's all about searching. So thank you. It's been, it's been really a pleasure. Next week, we continue the season with an amazing CPG marketing manager turned social entrepreneur. Her name is Richa Gupta, founder and CEO of Good Food for Good. 
it is going to be another great episode with Richa taking us through her own journey and how she planned for, for a major career change and one that gave her more freedom and, and much, much more purpose. Yeah, we're really looking forward to this one. And if you're interested in Steve's entrepreneurial principles, you can find several modules on YouTube. Just search Steve Gideon, Entrepreneurial Career and Life Design. And if you're interested in the book, you can reach out to us directly on LinkedIn. This has been the 10,000 Days Podcast. We'll see you soon.